Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Come on, Resurrection Sunday. I would have to say this is probably my favourite day of the year. This is what it's all about, people. Jesus is alive. And if you've given your life to follow Him, then uh, this, is, this is good news. He's not dead. He's alive. It's the hope of the Christian message. And so if you're not in church celebrating with other followers of Jesus today, I don't know what's wrong with you. All right? But you're here. And so um, just turn to the person next to you, give him a pat on the back and tell him Jesus is alive. Come on, that had some gusto. That was Jeff for sure. All right, hey, I've got to kick off with a joke today. There's, there's one time in the year that this joke really lands well. So I have told it before, but just pretend you've never heard it and laugh anyway. All right? A man, his wife and his mother-in-law went on a holiday to the Holy Land. Well, that's not, that's not the funny bit, Haddo. All right, there's lots of joy here today. While they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. <laughs> wow, what a room we've got today. I'm getting to the punchline, so maybe just hold it, all right? And then just let loose. All right, the mother-in-law passed away and undertaker told them, we can arrange to have her body shipped home for $5,000 or you can bury her here in the Holy Land. It will cost you around $150. So the man thought about it and he told the undertaker, look, we're just going to have her shipped home. The undertaker said to him, do you mind if I ask why? Why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when it would be wonderful to have her buried here and only spend $150? The man said to him, look, a man died here 2,000 years ago. He was buried and three days later he rose from the dead and I just can't take that chance. Yeah, there we go. All right, you've heard that joke until next Resurrection Sunday, all right? That's good. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9 with me. We're going to get into it. Acts chapter 9. This is probably not the place you would generally go for a resurrection message, but stay with me. If you're in the room and you're old school like me, Just wave your Bible at me today. Who's got their Bibles? Oh, look at all you holy people. You got your moment of glory right there. Thank me later. If you're new school and it's phone or iPad for you, wave your phone at me this morning. Yeah, I can see some people already on TikTok. Yeah, (laughs) busted. All right, Acts chapter 9. We're going to jump straight in. I'll let you pick it up as we go. It says, Meanwhile, 
Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, they are followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we want to pray this morning that your word would speak deep into our hearts. We pray for revelation from your spirit this morning, God. We pray that we would be people who are transformed by your words, by your life, in your power, Heavenly Father. And that as we sit and receive and sit in the presence of your word this morning, God, that you're doing your work, Father. And so we say yes and amen to what you want to speak to each one of us today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, the resurrection of Jesus was a surprise to pretty much everyone but Jesus, right? The Jews thought they'd killed him. They were happy. The Romans thought they'd killed him. They were happy happy as well. The people who hated what Jesus stood for, they were happy. They thought it was the end of the picture. Everyone thought that Jesus was dead. Even his own disciples thought that Jesus was dead, that this was the end of the story. But we know now that three days later, the tomb was empty and Jesus began to reveal himself to people before he returned to be with the Father. This was an amazing thing that had taken place. This king, the king of the Jews had been killed and it looked like that was the end. But we know that it wasn't the end. And, you know, in the same way that so many people had misunderstood Jesus, in the same way that people had come to their own understandings of how things would play out, in the same way that, God, that people had underestimated God's power, I believe people, we still do that today. We're still doing those things. People still misunderstand Jesus It's not hard to misunderstand Jesus these days. There's been terrible evil that's been committed by the church, publicised broadly. For some people, that's all they hear. If you turn on the TV, Current Affair are going to have a show, it seems like every second week, that's cutting down the church and Christian leaders. Whenever they don't have any stories, 
It's Hillsong, the church, Christianity. This is what some people are hearing to shape their understanding of Jesus. And let's just face it, there are some people around us, maybe not people that you know, but people that just know annoying, judgmental, keyboard warrior Christians. No one in this room is that you, right? Other people in other places. And all these things are contributing to how people who don't really know Jesus are developing an understanding not just of Jesus, but of faith and of the church. To this day, people still come to their own understanding of how things are going to play out. Conspiracy theories about every single thing there is, connecting dots everywhere, Um, People are educated through Instagram and TikTok these days and it seems like that has more influence over people than the the Word of God. This is the world that we live in these days. Even in the church, people still underestimate God's power. Still. We still travel with so little faith at times. Does God still heal today? There's so much evil in the world. Can God still be victorious? Is he really coming back? Where is he in the midst of everything that we see? We can still underestimate God's power today. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us that God doesn't change. God hasn't gone to sleep. God hasn't been, uh, he hasn't given up his power. God is still alive. He's not surprised by anything that's going on in our world today. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how powerful the country is. When God decides he's going to step in, God steps in. That's still who he is. He still has the power to change lives today. Does anyone believe that? This is who our God is. We read this passage today and we see exactly what it looks like when God decides to step in in this drastic way when he steps into someone's life. And so we're going to have a look at this passage a bit further. And I I want you to see that it reveals some key characteristics of God's heart in the life that he desires people to live. The first thing we see is this, is that God calls us to him. God pursues us. You know, if someone were to put together a list of people who were going to become Christians, Saul would have been at the bottom of that list, right? He hated Christians. His ambition was to catch as many Christians as he could and make them suffer. But what Saul didn't realise is that he wasn't just against Christians, he was actually against God. And the same thing's true for us, is, is that when we're not for God, we're actually against God. But here's the amazing message about who God is is that that doesn't turn him off. And instead, God says to Saul, he says, Saul, you really need to know me. I am stepping in here 
so you can get to know me. And I don't know about you, but it makes me really happy that this is who God is, that he pursues us in spite of our response, our understandings of him. God is a God that pursues us. And the example that we see in Saul shows us that no one is beyond the reach of God. Nothing is impossible for God. And you might know someone in your life and you just think to yourself, they are too far gone. They're a mess. How would the Lord ever get to them? This is an encouragement for you today that no one is out of God's reach. No one. I got this friend and his name's Luke and I, I, was, I was really good friends with his parents for a long time and, and I would hear about Luke, although I didn't meet him for a long time and I'd, I'd kind of get updates on Luke and I was given this picture that he was, um, he was struggling and he was getting himself into some trouble. He was hanging out with some bad people and anyway, eventually Luke did enough uh, trouble that he found himself in jail And uh, it was a pretty bad situation for Luke. And anyway, there he is in the prison yard one day. And this guy calls him over. And it's the toughest, hardest guy in the prison. And so Luke's thinking to himself, what's going on here? This is not good. And he calls him over and he pulls him close. And he says to Luke, he says, Luke, you need Jesus Christ in your life. And Luke's like, what? Now, he'd heard about Jesus. His parents were followers of Jesus. He'd, he'd, he'd learnt bits and pieces. He had an understanding of who Jesus was. But as he walked away from this man, something just took a hold of him. He said, I've got to give this some thought. And he shares his story. He says, I went back to my cell. And all night long, in his words, he said, I had it out with God. I argued about everything. And by the end of the night, I finally said to God, I said, all right, God, it hasn't worked out me doing things my way. I'm going to try doing things your way. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he surrendered everything to Jesus that night. And God came into Luke's life. And God completely changed him. He turned away from his old life and he just, he just went full on into this new life for Jesus. He was so full on everywhere he went, he would tell people about Jesus and what God's done for him. And he had this reputation as a bad guy. And so even after he got out of prison, every time the police saw him, they'd pull him over because they'd think he's up to trouble. And they'd have a conversation and he'd be like, I'm not up to trouble anymore. Jesus has saved me. I'm a new man. Now, these police knew what he was like and they couldn't believe that he was telling the truth. That's what a drastic change it was that God had come and met this man and changed his life. And, you know, sometimes God just breaks into people's lives. He comes crashing in. At just the right moment, and he meets people where they're at. And, and then for so many people, God just kind of gently pursues people, calling them to himself. 
But I want you to hear this this morning is that however it happens, whatever that conversion story looks like, whatever that process is of coming to the Lord, the main point is this, is that it's God who pursues us, that he never gives up on us. He chases us time and time again. Perhaps you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and there's been someone that's been on your heart for a very long time and maybe at times you've thought to yourself, well, I don't know if, if, if God's ever going to get to them. They just seem so far from God. And I want you to be encouraged today. This is our evidence. This is our encouragement that God pursues us. He chases us. He loves people. He wants to draw people to himself. And so he might not come crashing into every person's life, but he's always going to give people the opportunity to respond to his love for them. So God calls us to him and God calls us to be transformed by the work of his spirit. Saul has this encounter on the road. He's he's left blind after this encounter and God sends a man named Ananias to go and pray for Saul. Now, Ananias is freaking out because he's heard about Saul and what he does to Christians, but he goes anyway, being obedient to God. And this is what happens. In verse 17, it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Isn't that an awesome passage? He has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul needed the power of God to be transformed. We need the power of God to be transformed. We don't do it in our own strength. If you're here and you're looking for a life change, you might be able to make great things happen. God will make amazing things happen. That's who he is. When we come to God, we are born again spiritually. It's like we've been blind our whole lives and now we get to see. We get to see God's heart for people. We get to see God's heart for us. We get to see the plans and the purposes that God has for us. This is who he is. And so Saul goes from a man who's completely obsessed with ruining the life of Christians to a man who becomes a Christian and gives his life for God's plans. What an amazing transformation. I want you to hear this today because we try and do this in our own strength so often. But the abundant life that Jesus offers to us isn't simply found in salvation. Salvation is an amazing thing that sets us apart. Yes, some people say it's the golden ticket to heaven, but it doesn't stop there. 
That's not the abundant life that Jesus talks about, that Jesus offers. The abundant life that Jesus offers is found by living in the power of the Holy Spirit and giving our lives to the Lord. That's the abundant life that Jesus has for us. A new life, a changed life, a transformed life. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've tried everything, you've searched around, you've been looking for things to fill the gap, I want you to hear this. Jesus is the way. And God's power is the power for your life to be changed. It's the thing that you've been searching for. God calls us to be transformed by the work of the Spirit. And God calls us to a new life. What I love about this story with Saul is that God used the things of his past. He used them in Saul's future for his plans and purposes. So Saul was an educated man. He was a trained man. He had a unique background that equipped him for the things that God had in his future. He was being called to plant churches, to tell people in different contexts who Jesus was and to stand up against some other educated people and be able to speak the truth. And God had just the right man for the job. This, this man who spent his life killing Christians ended up writing a huge chunk of the New Testament that we read in our Bibles today. This is amazing. And here's, here's what he did. He acknowledged Jesus as his Lord He confessed his sin, he surrendered his life, and he chose to obey God. This is what a surrendered life looks like. Listen to the impact he goes on to make. In verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. All this from a man that was blind to the things of God but God opened his eyes. Hey, we love a good testimony and I've got someone lined up to come and share his testimony with us today. So could you put your hands together and welcome Dan Simpson up as he comes to share his story with us today. Oh, it's bigger than I thought. There's a few people here, mate. They come to hear your story. Thank you so much. What a day to come and do this today. Just so privileged. Whew. Okay. Um, it starts back in 2003. I enlisted in the Australian Regular Army. This occurred after numerous life fails. By life fails, I'm talking about extreme life fails. Once I'd finished school, I was constantly searching for something, searching for a buzz, searching for a way I could find this buzz, or searching for some sort of high. Um, And to find that, it was basically putting myself in the thick of trouble. This put huge stresses on my family, 
and my parents had grave concerns for my future. I remember at one point, mum had pulled me aside and she said, Dan, Dan, if you don't do something to find this buzz or fill this gap, you're going to end up in jail. So I enlisted in the um, Australian Regular Army, where I served as a medic for 10 years and then as a mechanic for another five. In that time, I met my first wife and we had four children together. In 2016, I started to notice that I was angry, anxious and tired all the time. Before I noticed it though, family and friends were telling me that I had changed. I kept paying it off because the gradual increase in my symptoms had just crept up on me and I wasn't even aware of it. Like when you go, uh, for those of you who wear glasses, when you go to an optometrist and they put those new set of glasses on you and like, whoa, I didn't realise how bad my eyes were. That was what had happened to me with my mental health. Um, so I sort of carried it and then I didn't realise how bad it had gotten until I finally crashed in early 2017. The symptoms had become so unbearable that my physical health had taken a toll. I could no longer hold a conversation with fellow colleagues without severe tremors. The following year I was discharged with major depression, adjustment disorder and alcohol dependence. Being discharged from the army did not fix my issues though. Instead, I climbed further into my decline. My marriage was a marriage that I'm forever grateful for because it gave me four very precious people. Our marriage soon ended and with further decline of my mental health, I did things that I'm forever sorry for. I was taking medication to help manage my moods and was dependent on alcohol, cigarettes and other drugs. Basically anything I could chase to fill this horrible feeling that I just couldn't lift or couldn't take away. I had suicidal thoughts pretty regularly, but my love for my children and my involvement in their lives was important to me. I was holding on to my job at work by a piece of string and I was truly at rock bottom. It was at this point in my life I knew in myself I had to make a change. I was still searching for something, but I felt that I was further away from it. So I came off my medication and I began to exercise. It wasn't long after this point in my life that I met Beck. And from our first date, I knew that I had to be with her. At this time, Beck was also going through a rough season and it was in no way ready to commit to a relationship. We continued to hang out, go on day trips, dates, anything I could do just to hear her speak, just to get to know her more. This continued for a little while before I finally climbed out of the friend zone. Has anyone else ever been in the friend zone? <laughs> I, I climbed it. I got out. I got to the summit and I planted that flag down hard. Um, turn its pages here. But there was a catch. And the catch was I had to be a Christian. At this point, when you're staring into her beautiful eyes, you pretty much say anything. So it's like, yeah, all right, I'll give it a crack. As I got to know Beck more and more, I discovered her deep relationship with God and that my beautiful wife was dripping in God's presence. And I have a front row seat. I asked her, how do you hear from him? And she taught me how to listen. And it wasn't long after that that I experienced my first encounter when I was driving to work early one morning and there was just this bright light and just this overwhelming, intense feeling that brought me to tears and then a voice. And the voice said to me, I have given you her to bring you to me. And from that point on, I was all in. I started attending Hope Community and met many like-minded people. I remember one morning helping here as a volunteer for Set Up and Pack Down when Tam and Maddie Wartlaw uh, had said to me, 
they were going to be doing baptisms today. And I just felt Holy Spirit just leaning on me so hard and just saying to me, hey man, today's the day. Today's the day to get dunked. So I approached the team and, and, and sort of was expecting this, hey man, you've got to book it in. They were just so encouraging. No, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So it happened. God is ever present in everything I do now. And I no longer seek what I was looking for before because I found it in my Lord and Saviour. I only yearn to be closer, to feel His grace and love more and more. I have since experienced more encounters. I've been driving in the car with Beck and just been overwhelmed. Like I'm a bit of a gym junkie. Um, I love the gym. I love the gym. And he just speaks in your own language. And I just remember him just being in the car with us that day. And just, I was just filled with tears and this emotion, this overwhelming feeling. And then this voice, hey, buddy, I'm not even flexing. And I'm just like, wow, wow. Um, I've met wonderful people and hope has helped me to grow my faith journey immensely. I still walk in doubt during periods of my life and I still have so many questions. But here at Hope, I'm able to walk through my doubts and lay a strong foundation to build my faith. My faith journey continues strongly in a house of nine. I work as a manager at Maranatha Aged Care and I coach a junior rugby league at Caboolture Junior Rugby League Club. I look after a group of under 11 boys there and I quite often find myself ministering to both these groups. My wife and I have also started a podcast which helps us to reach other people. We've um, reached, I'm pretty sure, two. <laughs> we, think, we, think one of them, we think one of them's Tam, so. <laughs> Uh, so, so. <laughs> and I've also started a podcast for prayer meditation. As Dan was speaking before, during Saul's conversion in Acts 9, Scripture talks about him being blind. When I came to Christ and when I started drinking the living water that he offers us, I found that my mental health was better. My relationship with the Father feels like I'm wearing new glasses every day. And I now have found what I've been searching for. Without God in your life, you truly go through living like a blind man. And my vision has been restored. Amen. Thank you, Father. Isn't that amazing? You can't get a better illustration than that, can you? Dan's story is the perfect example of the way that God pursues us. While he's pursuing a girlfriend, God was pursuing him. And he ended up with both, which is a pretty good deal, hey? But you might be like Saul, and you might even have opposed God at times in your life. But I want you to hear this, God does not oppose you. God is for you, He loves you, He's pursuing you constantly and He desperately wants you to get to know who He is. You might be like Dan and you might know nothing about Jesus, but then you've been hearing some stuff recently or here today and you can see that something's starting to change for you. Maybe it feels like you're putting on a new pair of glasses here today. That's God reaching out for you. He desperately wants to connect with you. If you're here today 
I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to Him, to become a follower of Jesus, to see your life changed and transformed, to see the things that God has for you in your new life. And here's what Saul did. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He confessed his sin. He surrendered his life. And he set about being obedient to the way that God was calling him to live. And we saw and we read that he did it all in the power of the Holy Spirit, God's strength, not his own strength. And so maybe you're here today and you're feeling like it's time for me. Like Asher said, when it came to baptism, he said, Dan, I've been putting this off for too long. Sign me up. I'm in. Maybe that's how you're feeling today. If you're joining us online, maybe this is how you're feeling wherever you are today. God's knocking on your heart and He's asking for you to respond to Him today. And so I wanna give you that opportunity. I'm just gonna invite everyone to pray. And we're just gonna pray together today. Jump on your feet and I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, but if you're here today and you wanna say yes to Jesus, this might be an expression of your heart today just to say yes to Jesus Christ. So Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Your incredible love for us. We thank You for Your love for every single person, Lord. We thank You that You gave Jesus, Your one and only Son, to pay the price for our sin so we could come into relationship with You and so we could know You from now until all eternity, Father. Thank You, Lord, that You've purchased us, Father. The blood of Jesus was enough. Thank You, Lord, that You've got plans, plans for our life as we set about living Your way, Lord. And thank You, Lord, that we get to do it in Your strength. For those who are here today and you just wanna say yes to Jesus, I just encourage you just in your heart right now, say yes, Lord. I wanna know You. I wanna start this journey of living for You. I wanna acknowledge that You are Lord. I wanna confess my sin and I wanna follow You all the days of my life. God, we pray that in the power of Your Spirit, You would come and You would meet people who are surrendering their lives to You this morning. Come and fill them full, we pray. Lord, we pray that You would bless each and every person as we come on this Resurrection Sunday, Father, we thank You that hope is here because of You, Lord. We thank You that there's nothing that You can't reach, there's nothing that's impossible for You, and that those who are coming here today and perhaps feeling discouraged or bogged down in life, Lord, I pray that You would touch them with Your hope here today, Father that You would restore joy to them, Lord, that You'd fill their hearts and their minds with peace, Heavenly Father, that You would bring the healing and the transforming work of Your Spirit today. So Lord, we just say thank You. Thank You for Your incredible love for us. We pray these things in the mighty Name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.